0: The tension in the room was palpable. The people who had gathered there came with a set of expectations. All of their life, at the beginning of the Passover, they had gathered together with their family and their friends and followed a prescribed ritual of of different cups and different readings and different parts to the meal. And now, on this night, when they gathered in a room for what they expected, they suddenly encountered something they had never expected. First of all, it kind of started when when they were arguing on the way in about who was going to be the greatest when Jesus, their teacher, their rabbi, their leader, who was in charge of the night, actually became in charge of the world. Who's going to be the greatest among us? I'll I'll have this position, I'll have that position. Imagine their shock when when as they're jostling for positions at the table based on prestige, their teacher gets up, walks over to the door, picks up a basin of water and a towel, takes off his outer garment, and, and then wraps the towel around his waist and and does what servants do. I mean, he's the teacher, he's the leader. No one expected that. Feel the tension rise. When he gets to to Peter, Peter, that rambunctious, that loud, that demonstrative disciple, and starts to wash Peter's feet. Peter looks at him and says, no, 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 no. You're not gonna wash my feet. I, I should be washing your feet. Uh, Rabbi, teacher, Lord, you, 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 you can't do this. And Jesus says, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have nothing to do with me. And, and, and then Peter says, Well, then, not my feet. Wash all of me. And I think Jesus kind of laughed and said, uh, Peter, it's okay. You had a bath, man. You don't really need to be clean that way. This isn't about your cleanliness and your hygiene. This is about your heart. The the tension rose just a little bit more. Then as he he instituted what we just celebrated, the, the Last Supper, As he talked about the bread and the cup and the fact that he was going to die and he was going to give his body and it'd be broken and his blood would cover their sins and remember me every time you do this. They're still, they're they're following, but they don't follow. They're they're trying to understand, but they don't understand. And and then imagine when, when he says, you're all clean, but not all of you, because he knew that one of them, a guy named Judas, was about to betray him. Imagine the whispering going up and down the table when Jesus says, Not all of you are clean. I know which one of you is going to betray me. And, and they're all going, Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And Peter kind of shoves John, the beloved disciple who's sitting closest to Jesus, and says, Hey, John, listen, ask him who it is. And, and so John leans over to, to Jesus, this teacher, Teacher, who's going to betray you? And, and Jesus says, Well, it'll, it'll be the person who dips their bread in the cup, right after I dip my bread in the cup. And when he dips his bread in the cup, Judas does. And then Jesus looks at Judas. And what John tells us is that Satan entered into Judas in that moment, and and Jesus looks at him and says, go do what you have to do. Everybody else in the room except John and Jesus thought Judas just had to go out and pay a bill. He was, after all, the treasurer for the group. He, He carried the money back. But Jesus knew, and John knew. And the tension just kept rising in the room. None of this was what they expected. None of this was what they came for that night. This is all not in the script. Everything has been changed. And so so now Jesus turns to them, and he says, Look, where I'm going, you guys can't come. And, and, And they don't know what to think about it. And so finally Peter looks at him and says, says Lord, listen, now if ever all the rest of these people leave you, I'm, I'm with you. I'll stay with you. I'll, I'll go through anything for you. And, and Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, listen, man, before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny that you even know me, and you're going to do it three times. And what John tells us when he writes this story down in the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th chapter of his gospel, the the focus of everything that that he's been leading up to in the life of Jesus is now in this one night, in this one room with all of this tension. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to go do this. And the disciples are saying, we don't understand. And, and, And Peter's saying, look, where are you going? And you can feel them, they, they just don't get it. They don't understand what Jesus is about to do. And so Jesus, well, listen to what Jesus said to their tension in John chapter 14, verse one. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms If it were not so, would I have told you that that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way. And the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you've seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his own works through me. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else Believe at least on the account of the works that you've seen themselves. These words, this this dialogue, it's it's a part of a a pretty large conversation. It's a conversation that, that talks about who we are, why we're here, and where we're going. Jesus is saying to the disciples look there's a larger plan than you know there's more than what you can perceive and I'm here to show it to you I'm here to demonstrate it to you I'm here to help you get it I'm here to help you understand that, that life has more and I'm inviting you into that life I'm inviting you into that future I'm inviting you into this relationship and even though you don't understand it Even though you're questioning, even though tomorrow you're going to see me die and you're going to wonder why in the world are they killing my teacher and my rabbi? Even though I've told you that I have to die, even though I promised you that I'll raise this temple again in three days, even though you've heard all of these things for three years, I get it. You don't understand. So let me try one more time to show you, to demonstrate it. To have a conversation where we can talk about who I am and what I'm about. A few years ago I was traveling. My flight left Indianapolis on Ash Wednesday. I left here early and drove down and parked my car in the economy parking lot. It was a busy travel day and as the shuttle went from shelter to shelter, picking up people, it, it began to fill up. And about halfway through, a young lady got on with her baggage. She was carrying several bags and she's stuffing them in. And, and, I, and I looked and, and noticed that she'd already been to, to Linton services that, that day, to Ash Wednesday services, because on her forehead was the smudge of the ash and the sign of the cross, But there was another passenger on the bus, a little old lady, who saw this young girl struggling with her her bags and getting it all together, and and she looked over at her, and and as we rode along, she just kept staring at the young lady's forehead. And then finally, I'm thinking, she's gonna get up and acknowledge, hey, it's Ash Wednesday, you've been to mass, you've been to church, you've, you you know, are carrying the sign of Jesus on your forehead. When suddenly the little lady who did not know the young lady who got on, it was very apparent by the look on the young lady's face. When the older lady reached across and said, sweetheart, in your struggle with your bags, you, you, you got a smudge on, on your forehead. And she wiped it off. The young lady, but, but, I mean, what do you do? I mean, you're just, you don't expect a total stranger to just, you know, lick and do that. You know? In fact, right now with the coronavirus, somebody does that, you're going to smack them upside the head or something, you know? And and, and you go, wow, I'm just sitting there. And all of a sudden, it was like God said to me, Carrie, don't ever forget what you just saw because that's the way most people are with the stuff I do. I show myself. I demonstrate myself. I, I give them ways to remember me, and, and now and, and, and they don't get it. I mean, that little old lady had absolutely no idea that those smudges on the young lady's forehead were a sign of the fact that Jesus Christ suffered and died and was resurrected for her. And most of the people you meet in the world, they don't know either. Most of the people you meet outside your Christian circle, outside your friends, they they don't know. They may know that there's some holiday. They may know there's Mardi Gras in New Orleans. But they do not understand the cross and the ash and the meaning. And so we need to have a conversation. We need to hear the conversation Jesus was having with the disciples and wants to have with us. Because you see, in this conversation, we get to the real meaning of life, we get to the real essence of what you were created to do how you were created to live. We, we get to the promise of your future. What Jesus is doing for the disciples that night, he's inviting them into their future. And what he's doing for you and me, as we remember on Sundays when we take the cup and the bread, as we remember in times when we carry the sign of the cross, and as we remember what Jesus did for us, we are coming to the place where we have to understand the real invitation is to be a part of a kingdom. A kingdom that you cannot see and yet you cannot miss. A kingdom that is not physical and yet it changes everything physical. A kingdom that doesn't have a beginning and yet never has an end. Because it's the kingdom of God. And he's already invited us in. And I would suggest to you this morning that in that upper room, in that palpable tension, in that... Confusion about what was about to happen, Jesus lays out for us the invitation and tells you and me how we can live in this invisible kingdom that changes all the visible world. The first thing he does is this. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. What he's saying is, look, I'm inviting you into a a place where I'm going to prepare everything for you and I'm going to provide for you. And some of you hear that and you go, no, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, listen to what he said. Look at it again. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Here it is. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? In other words, if this wasn't true, why did I tell you all of this stuff? If you believe in the Father, you believe in me, we've told you, life doesn't end at death. Death is not the destination. Death is simply the doorway into an enhanced relationship with us. Us being God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If it were not so, would I have told you? that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. What Jesus does to invite us into our future is he says, listen, based on your relationship with me, I want you to know that I'm preparing a relationship that will last forever between us. I'm preparing a place for you. And I'm going to provide for you in that place, and I'm going to provide for you in a way that lets you know that you you are so valuable to me. I was sitting with one of our church members this week who's facing a terminal diagnosis of cancer. I have permission to share the question that this person asked me. It kind of took me back. They said to me, Pastor, I've been a Christian for a long time. And now the doctor says I have X amount of time to live. I'm just wondering, Pastor, how do I stop being afraid of dying? How do I stop being afraid of my future, of what we humanly know? I have to tell you something. That'll make you stop and pause for a minute when you're sitting in someone's living room and they ask you that question. Because suddenly, the bumper sticker Christianity doesn't work. Suddenly, the, the little placard that you hung on the wall, the little note you put on the mirror, th- th- this individual is asking you, look, this is my reality. What I know is going to be death and I don't know what, looks, what it looks like on the other side. How do I stop being afraid? took a deep breath and I prayed and remembered this passage. And I said, let me explain this to you. What Jesus promises us is a relationship. A relationship that begins now. Right now. When we allow him access to our life. And what he promises us is that he is, from the moment we say yes to him, he is going to take care of us. He is going to provide for us. He's going to prepare for us. Now the reality is it's always anxiety producing to step into anything you don't know. To step into any place you've never been. It's always anxiety producing. That's the human reality. But the divine promise is that someone who has stepped into your human reality has already been into the eternal relationship. And that individual is saying to you, listen, I'm here with you. You don't need to be afraid. The fear is not sinful. The anxiety is not sinful. Only the rebellion against the relationship is sinful. It's okay that you're afraid. It's okay that you have anxiety. But can I tell you something I've seen? As a person who has sat next to the bedside of people when they've breathed their last breath on this planet, who sat next to my own mother and felt her very last breath on this planet on my face. May I tell you what I have seen? I have seen people who have allowed Jesus into their life, who believe in God and believe in Jesus, come through the anxiety of the unknown, understanding the promise of the presence of God So that, I believe, when they breathe out that last breath from those human lungs that were no longer capable of functioning, that they breathe that breath out and immediately got a brand new set of lungs that will never, ever fade away, and they will always be strong, and they breathe in brand new air, and it wasn't from this earth. There's no pollution in it at all. There's no allergens in it at all. They breathe in the celestial air of the presence of Jesus and God the Father in heaven. See, people ask me, what does heaven look like? I don't really know. And anybody who tells you they know and really knows, run. Do not walk to the nearest exit. Because unless you've been there, you can't really describe it. He, the Apostle Paul tells us that in his writings. He says, look, I know a man, it's his way of saying it was me, who was caught up into the seventh heaven and the things he saw were just too wonderful and he couldn't describe it. Now John tries to describe the visions of heaven in Revelation and he talks about streets of gold and, and all this beautiful stuff. And the fact of the matter is, I mean, that may be it. But I'll be honest with you, I don't care about the streets of gold. What I care about is the face of God. What I care about is the promise that Jesus said to me and to the disciples in that room when he said, look, I'm preparing a place for you. Whatever it looks like, (laughs) that's up to him. I kind of had to learn that when I got married. My wife can decorate. I can't. My wife has an eye for color. I don't. My wife can make a space feel wonderful and warm and homey. I can't. So when it comes to the decorating, my answer is, uh-huh. Yes, ma'am. Oh, I tried once to say, could I do it? No. If my wife is as talented and good as she is and making rooms look special, what do you think Jesus can do with a room? What kind of room are you going to get? It's better than anything you've ever been in. But can I tell you something? You won't care about it. Because what you're going to care about is being in his presence. Jesus invites us into a future where he's preparing the way and invites us into a future where he is present with us to guide us. Now, some of you are saying, Pastor, dying is a long way away from me. It's not something I want to think about. Yeah, I, I know. But that future that he's working on for when you leave this earth and step into his presence, it starts now. So here's the question. Will you allow him to prepare and provide for you today, this afternoon, tomorrow? Will you accept his invitation to to live your life in such a connectedness to Jesus that that when you do, he, he literally is in charge of every part of your life, as in today, as in the next day and the next day and how many days you have to live because you see, death is simply a doorway between this life and a better life. It's not the destination. It's the doorway. And what Jesus is saying to the disciples is, look, tomorrow you're going to watch me die. Tomorrow on Friday, you're going to watch me suffer. You're going to watch my blood flow down my body to the ground. You're going to see me breathe my last. And you're going you're to mourn for me. I've told you that in three days I'm going to raise this body and I'm going to be alive again but you're going to forget that and so you're going to have to live through the grief on Friday and through the mourning and the questioning on Saturday before you get to the rejoicing of Sunday and what I want you to know is I'm preparing a place and I'm providing a way to get there and I am there with you guiding you with my presence I don't know what your Friday looks like But I know that every one of us never gets to a resurrection without a death. You can't have a resurrection without a death. Something's got to die before anyone can be resurrected. And between the death and the resurrection, there's always a Saturday. There's always a time when, when you're questioning, you're wondering, what happened? How did that go? And this is why Jesus said, look, look, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. I'm going to be there for you. I mean, look at the way he says it. Thomas, I love Thomas. Thomas is so honest. Every time you read the New Testament, you run across Thomas. He's the guy who's saying what everybody else is thinking. Okay. And, and Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? I mean, Thomas would have met a great 21st century Christian. Because he thinks like a GPS. Like, if I don't have the destination to plug in, how am I going to get there from here? That's the way we think, right? Plug it in, take the options, faster, slower, scenic, whatever. No. Thomas says, look, if we don't know where you're going, how do we know the way? And that's the way a lot of us want to think about our life. We want to know what's next, where we're going, how we get there from here, what are the next steps, give me five steps to the success. And Jesus says, look, look, no, it's not about that. It's about a relationship. It's about me providing for you, me preparing for you, me guiding you. He says it this way, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, if you had known me, relationship, you would have known the Father also, relationship. From now on, after your Friday and your Saturday and your Sunday, you do know Him. And you've seen Him. Now, here's where Thomas gets a friend. His name is Philip. Philip's one of the earliest disciples. He had been with Jesus almost as long as Peter, James, John. He's in that whole first cadre of, of folks who began to follow Jesus. And he's going to ask a question. And, and his question is, is even more important than Thomas's question. I mean, we all get focused on Jesus' answer to Thomas, right? I, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We get focused on that one because, because well, Honestly, we'd all like to find another way to do this besides the one way that Jesus gives us of a relationship with him. Because if we could find another way to get there, if we could find another way to plug into our our eternal GPS, then we could find another way to to do it and and it might not not require us to die to as much stuff as the way Jesus talks. But, But when Philip asked the question, Jesus' answer lets us know something really important. He doesn't just invite us to where he's preparing and providing. He doesn't just invite us to this relationship where he's going to guide us. No, no. Doing that requires us to have confidence and trust in his authority. If you don't have confidence and trust in Jesus' authority, when Jesus says, hey, listen, the Father and I are one, if you know me, you know the Father. If you know the Father, you recognize me. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he kept saying that to religious people who were saying, we serve God, but we reject you. And he's like, if you know my Papa, you know me. And if you know me, you know my Papa, my Abba, my Father. So Philip follows up Thomas's question about, hey, if we don't know where you're going, how do we know we're gonna, how to get there? Philip follows up with this one. Lord, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do not believe that I am in the Father. Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. See, what Jesus is saying to Thomas is, I'm the way. And what Jesus is saying to Philip is, you can trust me. You can have confidence in me. Because I'm not just the way I am actually the authority I'm I'm the one who's there I'm the one who's there to love you I'm the one who's there to show you how much God loves you when my boys were young I have two sons they're men now but when they were preschoolers we moved to Florida now if you move to Florida with preschoolers there's a mandatory thing you have to do you have to teach them to swim because there are two things about Florida there's always water And there's always alligators in the water and so you have to teach them the difference between you know nice pet and alligator and you have to teach them the difference between safe water and unsafe water and one of the ways you do that is you take them to get swimming lessons and so I won't mention which of my boys because many of you know both of them but one of them adapted faster to the swimming lessons than the other. And so he was very, man, in the water all the time, swimming around. The other one, he's got like the water wings and you know the, the life jacket and all that. And they're preschoolers, right? They're not really big. They're small. They're very trusting. In their world, I miss those days because in those days I could do no wrong. I was their daddy. I'll show you how much they trusted me. The one who couldn't swim, the one who had the water wings, and all, he didn't know he couldn't swim. And so we're over at a friend's house at their pool. They had an old pool with a 10, 11 foot deep, deep end and a diving board. And I'm going off the diving board, and the adults are going off the diving board, and my kid who could swim, he's going off the diving board. And my boy who couldn't swim, the one with the water wings and the lightning, he goes up, sees what his brother's doing, wants to be a part. So he, runs around while my back is turned up onto the diving board and up and over the water. I turned just in time to see his body. And I'm one. this kid cannot swim. My heart jumped up in my throat. I remembered every part of my lifeguard certification when I was a college student at Anderson College in the Bennett Auditorium. <laughs> I dove into the deep end. I came up at the right place. Just as I came up, here was my son, now spitting and sputtering and just... Flailing, But the water wings were working. They were holding him up. I got him. I put him, pulled him over. I used everything Gert once taught me. And I got over to the side. And I, and I looked. And I said, son, why did you do that? And he looked at me with preschool trust and said, because I knew you'd catch me. I'm like, don't ever do that again. If, if as his earthly father, I could have that much anxiety and compassion and passion to save him from himself, how much more do you think your earthly father has angst over you, compassion for you, passion for you? Jesus says, Philip, listen, man. You've been with me all this time and you still don't get it. I can prepare a place for you, I can provide for you, I can guide you, I can be there with you because I am God's son. I have his authority in my life and you can have confidence and you can have trust that I'm for you, not against you. So you need to know part of the conversation about your future, not just your future when you die, but your future today and tomorrow and the next day, is are you willing to let Jesus and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit be the ultimate authority in your life? Or are you you gonna try to do that yourself? Because you see, Jesus invites us into a future where he empowers us for the journey, but it's his power, not ours. He empowers us for what obstacles we're going to face, but, but it's his power, not our wisdom. He empowers us for the Saturdays after our Fridays before we even dream there could be a Sunday. He empowers us to go through all the different things that life brings us. He empowers us for the journey, but but it's his power because he has the authority and we have trust and confidence in him. Here's the way John records it. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to be with the Father Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is not a verse where Jesus is promising to be Santa Claus. It's not a verse where Jesus is promising you to be Aladdin in the lamp. It's not a a place where he's he's promising you that the genie is going to give you all your wishes. That's not who Jesus is. That's not what he's trying to tell you. What he's trying to tell you is this. He's inviting you into a future. And in that future, he's preparing you and he's providing for you and he's guiding you and you can trust him. You can have confidence in him because he will not only be there with you, but he will empower you for whatever life faces, whatever twist and turn, whatever you don't understand. It was a powerful room, that upper room. And there was more than bread and cup at stake. And there was more than anybody expected when they walked in. Because this was the room where Jesus said to those closest to him, I have you. I love you. And because you trust me, if you trust me, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You're going to see the events that unfold in the next 48 hours and you're going to think to yourself, it's all over. But it's not. Because I'm here. And I'm with you. So trust me. This morning, it occurs to me that maybe some of us are living on Friday or Saturday, in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our questions, and we just need to take a few minutes and listen to Jesus talk to us the way he talked to Philip, Thomas, and the others, and accept his invitation to a place where he's the authority, he has the power, he will guide us he's preparing a life a life that starts today and goes forever and is prepared just for you